often struggle to see God working in the midst of your troubles. Life isn't always easy, but God is always there, and better yet, with a plan and a purpose. In this podcast, Christian Girl Living in the Eye of the Storm, I hope to help you find God even in the dark times. So sit back, relax, and let's jump into the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 6. My name is Lolo and this episode is titled Rejection. We'll be talking about a few people from the Bible within this episode to see what rejection looked like in their lives and how their stories can help us. Let's go into prayer first and then we'll jump right into the episode. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for another day. Thank you for always being here for us when we're feeling down or in a time of need. You're so good and you love us very much. I pray over this message today that you speak your words through me and you help us all to gain a little more wisdom and peace in our situations, especially when we're experiencing rejection. Thank you again, Lord, for this opportunity to share this message. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty, so let's get started. So what does it mean when we're rejected? It means we're deliberately excluded from something. Our brains are naturally wired to feel either acceptance or rejection from experiences or people. And when we aren't accepted, we often tend to feel this intense negative emotion, and that's rejection. These feelings can really run deep and can easily piggyback off of other emotions. And before we know it, we're spiraling spiraling into a black hole of negative emotions we don't know how to get out of. And the enemy wants us to sit in those emotions, to feel set aside, rejected, and alone. So let's talk about a couple people from the Bible who experienced rejection. First, I want to talk about Joseph. The story of Joseph can be found in the book of Genesis, which is the first book in the Old Testament. Joseph was one of 12 brothers, he was the 11th, and he was the son of Jacob. Jacob happened to be, or no, Joseph, sorry. Joseph happened to be the more favored son of the 12, and his siblings didn't really care for that too much. You know how sibling rivalry goes, and they weren't really having it. And now the story's more intense than probably what other sibling rivalries look like and favoritism, but to make a long story short, the brothers settled on selling Joseph to a gar- caravan of traders. So Joseph ended up being a slave in Egypt. Potiphar, captain of the guard for the Pharaoh, had purchased him. Eventually, Joseph gains favor of the Pharaoh after interpreting a dream for him, 
So let's just recap. His brothers didn't really like that he was the favorite, so sent him into slavery into Egypt. He gains favor of the Pharaoh by interpreting a dream, and then he ends up earning this high place in the Pharaoh's kingdom. So I guess good for him, right? But first, he was rejected by his own family. So skipping ahead, there's eventually a famine that occurs in Canaan where his brothers are and where he came from. And so Joseph's brothers come to Egypt because they're looking for food because there is none in Canaan. And eventually, they're able to see that their brother has lived to be this successful man here in Egypt, the place where they thought they were going to get rid of him and, you know, who knows what they thought was really going to happen, but they wanted something bad, I guess, to happen to him, right? And in the end, we see that Joseph actually saves his family because he gave them food and things that they needed when they didn't have it because of the famine. So, what a wild story, right? There's a likable son, but not a likable brother, who ends up in slavery and then ends up saving himself and his family because he's in this position. As a reader of the story, we don't see anything wrong with Joseph. He isn't a bad guy. He didn't do anything. But for his brothers, this wasn't the case. Jealousy, envy, foolishness, foolishness, and rage took over them, and they acted upon it. This caused the brother to end up in slavery. In Genesis, we see a verse, Genesis 50, 20, that talks about what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And this is a good representation of actually what this means. This whole story represents that verse. Because the brothers meant something evil to come out of this. They did, they acted on evil emotion and feelings and caused their brother to be sent off into slavery. They literally sold their brother. Talk about rejection. But God used that. If Joseph wasn't in Egypt and in the position that he was in, he would have never been able to save his family. And he probably would have still been stuck in Canaan too, in the famine. So ultimately, he was saved from something that was really horrible, but he also got to save his entire family too. And if that wasn't, if that was the case that they were stuck in the famine and potentially died, then a lot of the family line that came from Joseph's family would never have happened, which would have been bad. <laughs> so Joseph and his bloodline would never have existed, and his family's bloodline would never have existed. Rejection is never easy or simple to go through and process, but good things do come out of it. And maybe it'll take a while for us to even see how such a terrible thing can ultimately be used for good. And for Joseph, it did take him a long time for him to see why his rejection by his brothers was good. 
for years and years he was in slavery and you know wasn't even connected to his brothers anymore he didn't see them anymore he was in Egypt and although he was in this higher position and was actually successful I'm sure still part of him felt confused as to why his brothers rejected him and he didn't even get to see them anymore that probably still stayed with him rejection can lead us to be in the right place at the right time and of course there are times when we may never see the other outcome you know if we hadn't ever been rejected in the first place like maybe like just say for example that Joseph was sent into slavery he went into Egypt and you know he's living this successful life and say he didn't have these brothers whatever and he never he ne- if his brothers didn't come because of the famine he never would have known that he was saved from a famine himself because he didn't have his brothers coming from his homeland telling him that there was a famine so in our case maybe we didn't realize that we got out of a situation because if we stayed in that situation something worse would have happened most of the time we're actually being saved from something that could have been way worse So what we can take from Joseph's story is that God's timing for things is always perfect. Secondly, God always has a plan and a purpose for all that occurs in our lives. And thirdly, what people intend for evil, God always uses for good. Okay, let's move on to another person from the Bible that person being Jesus. And I can't talk about this topic of rejection and not talk about Jesus. As we all know, Jesus was the Son of God. He was sent down by God for the sole purpose of saving man from their sin. He was perfect. He never did wrong. He never sinned. And it's hard to believe that someone so pure, innocent, and good could be rejected. He never did anyone wrong. He only helped people and guide people. And quite frankly, he was, he was too pure for this world. The earth and man became corrupt the second that Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden. Sin entered the world, and evil became the nature of the earth and the people amongst it. And people thought that Jesus was too good to be true. How could he actually be the promised Messiah? Now, of course, some people believed him, but not all the people did. And those people who rejected him got him sent to be crucified. The literal son of God was sentenced to die. Now, although Jesus' rejection and death was not a good thing in that moment, something very good came out of it. And this was God's plan for Jesus' life. This was his purpose all along. On Friday, Jesus was killed. 
but on Sunday he was alive. He resurrected from the dead. His sacrifice was the ultimate sacrifice that saved humanity. He's the bridge that closed the gap between us and God. And when we take a look at our lives and, you know, take a look at Jesus' life, we see how Jesus' death ultimately became a good thing. So if we look at our lives and see something so terrible that's happened, we must know that maybe someday it'll be called good too. You know, although rejection itself is never a good thing or a good feeling, some of the greatest things are produced because of it, and some of the most precious things are saved. Let's talk a little bit about being a Christian. Being a Christian also automatically sets us apart from the rest of the world. In the Bible, it says how we're going to be treated similarly to how Jesus was treated when he was on earth. Prosecuted, rejected, made fun of. That's just something that we have to learn and understand and accept. The world doesn't want to accept us. Some people here won't either. This type of suffering is unfortunately normal in this fallen and sinful world that we live in. Like I said earlier, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden, it corrupted the land. The nature of this earth and the people are sinful and evil and wicked. We don't belong here. That's why the world wants to reject us so bad. But the earth isn't our home in the first place. Heaven is. This is our temporary home, and living a life that, for God, is worth it in the end. It's better to be accepted by the Lord than, than by the people of the, the world. Because the world can't save you. God does. So if you're struggling because you're being rejected as a Christian, just know that it's kind of inevitable. That doesn't mean that you have to live a life of complete suffering. Of course it's hard, and God and Jesus said it was going to be hard, but that doesn't mean that you can't live a fulfilled life, that you can't be happy. God brings us joy. And no matter what we're facing, what people say to us, what people do to us, we know that we can live happy and joyful lives because we have God in it. And we'll find those people on this earth that are like us too. We can be in fellowship with those people. Because they'll accept us because they understand. And if those people are rejecting you because you're Christian, maybe they're not meant to be in your life. You can do your best to help save them, to plant that seed, 
but it's good to be in fellowship with people who understand and are Christian too. Okay, so I want to talk about this book that I read that has a lot of the topic of rejection in it, and I feel like it's such a good read. It's one of Lysa, Lisa, I think it's Lisa, Lysa, I don't know, it's L-Y-S-A, Turkhurst's her book that's called Uninvited, Living Loved When You Feel Less Than, Left Out, and Lonely. If you haven't read that book, I would suggest reading it, especially if you're dealing with any of those things, you know, feeling less than, left out, lonely, rejection. It's such a good book, and it honestly helped me when I was going through a rough time, when I was going through my breakup with my ex-boyfriend. Um, so if you're dealing with a breakup, she has a lot of good stuff in there about that too. And honestly, just any type of rejection, whether that's from a job or some opportunity, volunteering, whatever it may be, if you feel rejected in some type of way, feeling left out, feeling lonely, this is such a good book. And I know that it can help a lot of other people too, if you give it a read. (laughs) So in the book, she has a chapter that's literally titled 10 Things You Must Remember When Rejected. And I want to share them with you because she makes some amazing points and I'll elaborate a little bit on them, why they're important. Um, But number one, our rejection is not a projection of future failures. Now, just because something or someone rejects you does not mean that it'll cause you to spiral down a path of more failure and more rejection in the future. Number two, rejection doesn't label you. It enables you to adjust and move on. And this is so true. Rejection can act as a learning experience for us, and it can actually benefit us by helping us to change and alter these things in our life that can help us to be successful in progress in life. Progress, progress. I don't know why, I just was like thinking about what I said there. Whatever. <laughs> I think you get the point. Um, yeah, but we have to learn to just be a little more optimistic about these things because it's so easy to be a pessimist. You know, when things go wrong, when something rejects you, someone rejects you, it's easy to sit in the negativity. But if we think more optimistically and realize that these things can actually shape us and we can move forward, that's a good thing. Number three, this could be an invitation to live in expectation of something else. So just because you've been denied or rejected in one opportunity does not mean you aren't living out your purpose. God has a plan and maybe right now you're stepping into that plan or purpose. Like maybe this thing that you were involved in was temporary or maybe it was never meant for you at all but you thought it was. But getting out of that opportunity means that you're stepping into something new that God probably wants you to be a part of. Number four, there's usually some element of protection wrapped in every rejection. And I believe this wholeheartedly. God is normally saving us from something when he allows us to be rejected. He doesn't want us hurt. He doesn't do things out of an evil or bad heart. God has such a good heart and wants the best for us. 
and if he's removing us from something there's probably something bad involved with that and there's things that he does that we we can't see Number five, it's good to ask the what questions, but less helpful to ask the why. The what questions are good for reflection and being self-aware of ourselves, you know, um, what good can come from out, what good can come out of this, what have I learned, you know, all those things, but why questions kind of leave us in a place of dissatisfaction and confusion about the things that we aren't even in control of. So instead of there wondering, why did this happen? Why do all the bad things happen to me? Why did they have to hurt me like this? Just think of what did I learn? What can I do now? What good is coming out of this? Just changing a little bit of your mindset can make such a big difference. Alright, number six. Don't hash, bash, or trash on the internet. Remember, the internet never forgets. So, this is a lot for those people who write their feelings on social media. Um, You know, sometimes in the moment we feel these feelings so heavily and it's so easy to just rant online or post things online and get feedback immediately from random people or from people we know like so many people can know these things about us when we post and it's easy to hide behind it too or sometimes we write things that are maybe we wouldn't actually say in real life and it can be hurtful to other people or you know we just write our feelings out in the moment and not thinking and you know like they said the internet never forgets it stays there no matter if you delete it or not usually it's there still someone has a hold of it most likely and we have to be smart about it because sometimes things happen to us people do things to us but we can cause more hurt and trouble for ourselves if we keep putting these things out there and also another thing Sometimes our feelings, especially these heavy and personal ones, should stay private. Stay within our circle of people, our family, friends, people who are close in our lives, a counselor, people at church, you know? They shouldn't be all public all the time. I think that'll help us to move forward in a more healthy manner than saying these things on social media or the internet. Number seven, there's much more to you than the part that was rejected. Now let me tell you, this was the one I think I held on to the most during my rough breakup a couple years ago. For me, it was so easy to get wrapped up in what this person had said to me about all of these things that they rejected about me. For someone else, you know, maybe someone else has said something about you. It's so easy to get wrapped up in what they've said about you. Or maybe it was an opportunity that rejected you and they've said that you're not fit for this because of this or whatever. Whatever it may be, a job, 
some opportunity, a person, what they've pointed out that they've rejected, it's so easy to just sit into it and just constantly be thinking about what they rejected. But you have so much more to offer. There's more to you than just this thing that they've pointed out. And there's a lot of time to discover even more about yourself. And sometimes we have to realize that these rejections may be actually pointing us into a better direction than we were before. So this can even be a good thing still. It's important to realize there's other good things about you, not what they point out. But also, even if they do point it out, it can help us to be put into a better direction. them pointing these things out will help you to realize all these other good things about you and you'll learn to focus more about more on them for me just for an example um, my ex-boyfriend pointed out all these things some some of the things that he pointed out made me want to look into them and try to be better with them but then other things it made me realize like that shouldn't matter like I have all these other things and it pushed me to be great at the other things like painting for example for me I I've always loved to paint but for some reason after the breakup and he told me that I didn't do this and that and whatever he said I didn't have passion in life he didn't see the drive in my life and it just made me want to be so creative and just show the world all these beautiful things that I can paint and what I can do. I don't know, it, it just sparked something inside of me, just made me want to be even better and show and embrace the things that I know I can do well and what I can be, if that makes any sense. And some of the things that he pointed out anyways, I realized that I can actually be good at these things, I can do these things, I can be more social, I can, you know, be more driven in life, you know. Maybe there's just parts that they don't get to see. Or maybe you didn't even know that you had in you in the first place. But this kind of leads into number eight. What one person sees as your liability, another might see as a wonderful asset. This was another that I held on to because it's so true. Just because one person or one job or whatever it may be doesn't like something about you, it doesn't mean that another person or job, whatever, won't like that about you as well. Everybody has different preferences and likes and maybe they'll find that one thing to be a great quality that you have. We need to find people in our lives that don't solely focus on what they believe to be our weaknesses. Someone might think it's a strength. I just think about like my ex. Obviously, I talk about this a lot because... It's one of the bigger experiences that has been a learning experience for myself, but um, 
One thing that he pointed out about me was me not being so social all the time in settings where there was a lot of people around. He was always saying that I relied on him just to talk to and like a few friends or whatever. He was like, you don't go around and talk to literally everybody here. And he saw that it was a weakness of mine. He thought I was antisocial, which I didn't really agree with, but I know to other people, they like that I focus more on my core friendships and the people in my life and stuff. And I don't think it's a bad thing to not be always like a huge social butterfly that has to talk to literally everybody because now I think that could be a good thing too obviously but everybody has their preferences like I've said but it's just your personality and who you are and what you value I value to have few close friendships and sure I can talk to other people but I'm not going to spend my whole time just talking to literally every single person around me like I want to spend those times and those moments where I'm out like to be having fun and stuff with those people that I am closer to too and you know he saw that as a weakness but I didn't see it as a weakness but also some other person might see it as a strength or see it as something that's likable so it's just preference and also your personality too like it's good to get out of our comfort zones and be you know I don't know the word I'm looking for right now but you know get out there and do things that are uncomfortable or risky or whatever it may be but if it's you and you know say you are trying but people will like you for you and people will see things that are good qualities in their eyes let's move on to number nine this is a short-term setback not a permanent condition now time is a great healer of course as we all know and over a bit of time we can begin to understand things and You know, we may be in this place for a little bit of time, you know, processing our emotions and understanding the situation, but that doesn't mean that we're stuck there forever. It's a short-term setback. That just means that, yeah, something has occurred that's maybe prevented you from moving at the pace pace that you'd like or whatever, but that doesn't mean that you're just going to permanently be stuck there and you're not going to be able to progress forward. Sometimes we just need a little bit of time to process and understand in order to move forward. And I think that's necessary time sometimes because if we never had that time, then who knows if we would have been able to be that successful in moving forward. And lastly, number 10, don't let this heartbreak destroy you. Let this breaking actually be the making of you. Let God use it in good ways to make you stronger and take you further. Now that's pretty self-explanatory, right? Allow God to use you and your experiences to mold you into the person you're designed to be. Life is full of these negative things, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan and a purpose for your life. This is part of it. And I just had to share those 10 points because 
they're so true and they helped me a lot and I want to share them as well and I wanted to elaborate a little bit on them with some personal experiences but if you haven't read that book remember it is uninvited by Lysa Lisa <laughs> Turkhurst it's L-Y-S-A and then T-E-R capital K-E-U-R-S-T and I just I recommend that book and I recommend reading into these books of the Bible too like Joseph's story and you know there's a bunch of other people in the Bible that have dealt with rejection because a lot of us Christians deal with rejection at least some point in our lives if we're honestly a Christian we're most likely going to deal with it sometime somewhere by someone alrighty I want to thank you so much for tuning in I hope to get out my next episode a little bit sooner than I did this one, but I hope you enjoyed it, and you'll join me for episode 7.